Pastor Xavier Reese and maintaining the beast behind the ivory cage. Proverbs 26, 28. A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord Yahweh, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. On October 8, 1871, in a barn in Chicago, a cow by the name of Mrs. O'Leary accidentally kicked over a lantern. That lantern fell into some hay that caught on fire, and from that, a fire spread that left over 100,000 people homeless, 17,500 buildings destroyed, at a cost of over $400 million that killed 300 people, all because of one spark. Perhaps this is the kind of destruction the Apostle James had in mind when likened the tongue to a spark that could set a great forest on fire. Pastor Xavier is continuing a simple truth study of the Ninth Commandment today. Let's listen. Now, the Ninth Commandment is a very destructive sin to society, as you know. Bearing false witness calluses the conscience of a person, first of all. Bearing false witness brings about financial ruin to people. Bearing false witness mars the character of the person speaking it. Bearing false witness, when it permeates society, it brings about indifference to justice, objective truths, resulting in death to the conscience of society. It just lives with it, doesn't even notice it, it's not even bothered by it. Bearing false witness results in an incredible lower standard and quality in the workforce through dishonesty. We already looked at you shall not steal, they're all connected. Bearing false witness at the level that is present in America today has resulted in a great distrust of Congress, the Senate, governors, even the Office of President, having no confidence in politicians except for the very naive people who look to government to solve all their problems. Proverbs 29.2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. And we think America's cheering. America's groaning. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13 says, For the word of the Lord, or God, is living and powerful, sharpening to edges sword, piercing even to the vision of the soul and the spirit, and the joint and the marrows, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. All will give an account. Let me give to you the tragic consequences resulting just from people bearing false witness before God and the witnesses at their wedding by not remaining faithful to their vows of marriage. Just just that. And these are statistics of June 12, 2007. So they're very recent. 
An estimated 24.7 million children, 36.3%, live absent from their biological father. There are almost 17 million children, 25%, living with their single mothers. 1.25 million, or 32% of all births in 1995, were out of wedlock. Today, nearly 4 out of 10 first marriages end up in divorce. 60% of divorcing couples have children. And over 1 million children each year experience a divorce of their parents. One out of every six children is a stepchild. There are nearly 1.9 million single fathers with children under 18 years of age. Four out of every 10 cohabiting couples have children present. And of children born to cohabiting couples, only four out of 10 will see their parent marry. Those who do cohabit experience a 50% higher divorce rate. So much for, let's try it, see if it works first. 26% of absent fathers live in a different state than their children. About 40% of the children who live in fatherless households haven't seen their father in at least a year, while 50% of children who don't live with their father have never stepped foot in their father's home. Children who live absent from their biological fathers, on average, are more likely to be poor, experience education at a bad level, health, emotional, and psychological problems, be victims of child abuse, and engage in criminal behavior than their peers who live with their married biological mother and father. Not two moms, not two dads. Biological, one genetic male, one genetic female. The believer should never accept an accusation of a person in whatever form without asking some basic questions, be they Christian or non-Christian who's giving you that information. Ask them, do you know if the information is absolutely true? That'll put them on the spot. You're telling them, hey, I'm, I'm not in for gossip. Have you spoken to the person that you're talking to me about first? Matthew 18. Ooh, that'll stop them dead in their tracks. Ecclesiastes 7.1 says, A good name is better than precious ointment. Proverbs 17.4 says, An evildoer gives heed to false lips. A liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. 1 Timothy 5.19 says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. And it's talking about verifiable, provable, tangible evidence with reputable people who will bring in the charges. It's not a light thing. And I wouldn't want to be some of these people that bring all these accusations. Now, there are rats out there. I'm not here to defend all, every pulpit. You know, I call it out from the pulpit. But God help these people that are driven by these lawyers that are chumming the waters, and they will make any case for them. There are pastors in positions of leadership as well as professionals in the secular world who have information of abusive power by an individual. The individuals have verified the evil, but they do nothing about it. 
They know that they blackball people. They mark them. They bring character assassination through slander, gossip, and lies. They abuse their power and authority with people, demeaning them and treat them as their slaves. God helped those people. These individuals, therefore, continue to facilitate that evil person by not intervening or exposing, approving of them by their continual silence and at times even affiliation allowing them to perpetuate their evil. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 says, These six things the Lord Yahweh hates. Yes, seven are abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. It's all under the basis of false witnesses, ladies and gentlemen. The interpretation of the Ninth Commandment is a charge to speak the truth at all times by mankind. Now let's finish with the transgression of the commandment. The breaking of the Ninth Commandment declares there is no God. This is what it does. Whoever bears false witness declares there's no God. Ignoring all the evidence of creation because they believe either in evolution, in reincarnation, pantheism, existentialism, uh, relativism, you, you keep the isms going. Your worldview determines how you live. Ignoring all the evidence of conscience when conviction of right and wrong occur as a child or a young adult, what do I do with it? When guilt of doing wrong comes and a person conditions their conscience and they keep doing wrong repeatedly, there's consequences to our heart, our perception. When at last the callousing of one's conscience fails to respond to right or wrong, then we've, 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 we've seared it, we've... we've Cauterize it. We've, we're unable to sense anymore. First Timothy 4.1 says, Now the Spirit expressly or clearly says that the latter time some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Um, much of the church is, looks just like the world today. Just bold, straight lies in the name of Christ. Romans 1.21 says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You go from darkness to greater darkness when you don't believe the Word of God. Also ignoring that there is a judgment for which all will finalize their eternity in one place or the other. That all will die and be judged for the thoughts, words, and deeds. If you don't believe the Bible, you don't believe in the God, then you believe it's crazy. It's nonsense. You don't believe that you get into heaven by grace and that you get excluded from heaven because you reject grace. Again, you think it's a Christian invention. That all will spend eternity either with God or separated from God. Again, if you do not believe the gospel, you think it's some indoctrination to control people. 
And yet Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. If you believe that there is a judgment after you die, then you live a little bit different. If you're a humanist, you don't believe in heaven and hell. You don't believe that there's an afterlife. This is it. Grab all the guts you can, baby, because this is it. Ignoring the sacrifice of Jesus, God incarnate for the atonement of the world. Rejecting the words of Jesus when he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me, John 14, 6. Even as Oprah in her program said, Jesus cannot be the only way. And a few faithful Christians got up and said, you're wrong, Oprah. God bless them. (laughs) She is awfully wrong. When Acts says there is no other name given under heaven or whereby we must be saved, Acts 4.12. Not Krishna, not Buddha, not Allah, but Jesus Christ. There is one man between God and man, one mediator, the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5. You see, that's too narrow. Well, take it up with God after you die. Let's see if you win. John 3.36 says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. These are not my words. I do not say that with a smack of the lips or any joy. Paul says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men to be saved. The breaking of the ninth commandment declares I have no responsibility of honesty or integrity to my neighbor because my worldview is tweaked. There's no God, right? Ignoring that all of us are created after the image and likeness of God. All of us are human. All of us are vulnerable sinners. Ignoring that all of us need one another. We are interrelated. We affect one another. We are interdependent. We need one another. Ignoring that it begins at home. We are duplicating ourselves in our integrity first in our children. We are to be the best examples as adults. Ignoring that it applies to a perfect stranger. Truth is objective, not subjective. And it always is to be the standard for all. Now, some asked, well, what if, you know, like Corey Tamboom lied about the Jews in the German time? Well, there's a higher principle there. You're protecting human life from evil men. That is not the standard. That's a little different. So let's take it in context. Character is what you are to be known for, not merely reputation. Listen to Psalm 15, 1. It says, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Psalm 15, verse 1 and 2. It's been said that figures don't lie, but liars sure can figure. The Christian is not perfect nor sinless, and therefore he or she must be ready 
and willing to make things right when they commit sin against the ninth commandment. To admit my wrong, to confess my wrong, to ask forgiveness for my wrong, and to not repeat my wrong. That's the biblical definition of repentance. James 5.16, as you know, says, Confess your transgressions one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective prayer or fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Christian must not compromise nor tolerate the breaking of the ninth commandment. Not by them, not by their wife, not by their husband, not by their children, not by their friends, not by the brethren, not by the church. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. If Christians can't lie, why is he telling them this? <laughs> the Christian is to give evidence of their transformed life. There should be a great difference between a person's life before Christ and after coming to Christ. There should be plenty of witnesses on both sides. <laughs> Confirming the change. There should be a consistency in their lives. Colossians 3, 9 through 11 says, Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. We're not what we used to be according to culture, race, birth, education, or nothing. We are Christians, and that is the priority. And we are to reflect the scriptures without exception. The Christian is to guard his heart against harboring resentment, bitterness, hatred for those who have maligned and hurt them. Because we still like revenge. Who doesn't like revenge? Raise your hand up so I can laugh at you. And my old sin nature? Amazing. It could be a wife or a husband. It could be a son or a daughter that hurts you. It could be a close friend. It could be a brother or sister in Christ. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness... Wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. I am a debtor to forgiveness when there is repentance. You understand? And even when there isn't repentance, I release you because I don't want to live bitter or have my prayers hindered. You understand? But I'm waiting for confession so there can be full fellowship. The Christian must guard the beast behind the ivory cage, a name some have placed on it. It's great. They did a series here. The way one time we put up mouth, it was open, and you saw in the darkness two eyes. That's the tongue. It's the beast behind the ivory cage. And God has put two safety doors, your teeth and your lips. It's so vile. The tongue has destroyed more people than any war, more than all wars put together. James puts it this way, James 3, 3 through 8. 
Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very little rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue, here's the application, is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire and a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. The source of lie, false slandering, is hell and Satan. Jesus said to the Jews, your father is Satan. He is a liar from the beginning. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. We can tame Shamu, but we can't tame the ivory beast behind the ivory cage. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly member full of deadly poison. Only a Christian can control that tongue. But he still has the potential to let it out of the ivory cage. Solomon put it this way, Ecclesiastes 10.20. He says, Do not curse the king even in your thoughts. Do not curse the rich even in your bedroom, for a bird of the air may carry your voice, and a bird in flight may tell the matter. (laughs) Psalm 39.1, I said, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle. Now you know what to get for Christmas. (laughs) While the wicked are before me. Psalm 50, 19, you give your mouth to evil and your tongue frames deceit. Oof. Proverbs 15, 4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 21.6, getting treasures by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. Proverbs 21.23, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. There's some good advice. Proverbs 26.28, a lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it and a flattering mouth works ruin. Proverbs 13.3, he who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. That's a promise. Let me leave you with the last one. Psalm 141, verse 3. David says, set a guard, O Lord Yahweh, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Good prayer. The transgression of the ninth commandment is a charge against the individual among mankind. Here you have the ninth commandment. You should not bear false witness against your neighbor. Evident by the proclamation of the ninth commandment is a charge against all mankind. The interpretation of the ninth commandment is a charge to speak the truth at all times by mankind. And the transgression of the ninth commandment is a charge against the individual among mankind. Profound little statements, ten of them. What health, what blessing, what benefit comes from these things? 
The Word of God does indeed have much to say about the words from our mouths. Pastor Xavier Reese has been cautioning of the dangers of the tongue today as he concludes our simple truth study of the Ninth Commandment, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, just before we close, let me quickly mention that copies of today's study, titled The Simple Truths of Integrity, are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. And the title to ask for, once again, is The Simple Truths of Integrity. Or you can mention today's date. Now, you can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800 926 1485. Again, that's 800 926 1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 